This is the Andres Segovia Show. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Andres Segovia Show. On this unplanned episode, I want to react to this article from the Daily Wire. It kind of encompasses a lot of the sentiment that people have when looking at economic news. And this is with relations to what I do for business. Real estate. So the question that this article is posing and commentating on, is the housing market about to crash? So I'm going to walk through this uh, with you all. This is by Ben Zyloff. I hope I pronounced his name right from the dailywire.com. For those of you watching, I'm not on the camera today because I wasn't planning on this. And for those of you on the podcast, nothing scintillating on the podcast this time because it's not really a video centric one. So you won't be missing out on anything. Either way, the article I'm referencing here will be linked in the description down below. For those of you watching on the video platforms, for those of you on the podcast, you should be able to see it in the description of the podcast. Otherwise, the best place to check everything out is the show notes accompanying this episode at www.thingsgoover.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. The article says, COVID-19 and the lockdown-induced recession had enormous impacts on the American economy. Yes, we know. Beyond the massive increases in federal spending, skyrocketing inflation, delayed supply chains, and unemployment, the shutdown severely disrupted the housing market, making homeownership even less affordable for the middle class. Now the Federal Reserve is warning of a housing bubble as average home prices soar above half a million dollars. Are their fears justified? If so, what could that mean for your family? Supply and demand. When COVID-19 hit the United States, the housing market saw a moderate decline in home prices. $383,000 in quarter one of 2020 to 374 dollars thousand five hundred in the quarter two of 2020 to be exact by quarter three however prices neared four hundred thousand and quickly began to rise at a meteoric pace meteoric pace by quarter one of 2022 the average price of a home was five hundred seven thousand eight hundred dollars a 33 percent rise in only two years all right as we're going to continue going into this i want to give context to this little thing because i said it many times so for those of you that are new to my program you might not have heard this before since i haven't covered something specifically real estate recently. But what I talk about is when you're taking the national numbers of housing, you have to leave California out of the conversation about what's happening with the rest of the country, because California is quite literally its own real estate industry. It basically sways all these numbers, folks, because you can still find $100,000 homes in what they call flyover states, but you will not be able to find a $100,000 condo in California. So these numbers are not apples to apples whatsoever, but in aggregation, they're taking everything and trying to use it as a statistic number. For context, here in California, the average median price of a home is closer to $750,000. Not 507. So it already tells you at what different ranges we are in this uh, um, this pricing um, of homes. And on top of that, we are in a housing crunch here in California because we don't have enough inventory to satisfy demand. And that's even after the interest rate went up. Let's continue. One Zillow report revealed that the average American home was only staying on the market for six days during the summer of 2021. In some cities, such as Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Columbus, the typical period on the market was as low as three days. Well, yeah, because cheaper there. Many factors contributed to the soaring home prices. On a supply side, construction of new long-term housing has already been slowing over the past decade, uh, several decades, resulting in 6 million too few homes being on the market. Meanwhile, rising costs for, for lumber, steel, copper, and other raw materials added tens of thousands of dollars to the price of an average new single-family home. All while, labor shortages diminished the number of builders and contractors available to work on housing projects. On the demand side, 
Americans moved from urban homes to suburban homes, in large part because of COVID-19 lockdowns in major cities. Investment firms such as BlackRock, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Goldman Sachs also began competing with American families for housing inventory. Nearly a quarter of all the homes in the United States went to investors during the first three months of 2021. And just to add a little more context to this, uh, with respects to what these big investment firms were doing, particularly BlackRock, uh, most of those stories were coming from um, purchases they were making on the East Coast. We weren't really seeing that happening here on the West Coast. But that's not to say that investors weren't buying up here. They were, but there were a lot of individuals buying because they had the, the funds. We had high earners that were just living on rent or just renting because they didn't believe in buying, but COVID kind of changed it for them and they went out to buy. That's why they were getting 20 to 40 offers on average per home. It's insane. Perhaps the most salient demand uh, factor, however, was the near zero interest rate environment that marked the first the past two years due to the Federal Reserve's monetary policies. In an effort to help the United States economy rebound for COVID-19 and the lockdown-induced recession, the Fed implemented aggressive quantitative easing. Virtually overnight, the central bank slashed their target interest rate from 1% to 1.25% down to zero to 0.25. The goal of quantitative easing is to manipulate the federal funds rate the interest rate at which private banks can lend to each other overnight. The near zero federal fund rate caused other interest rates in the economy, such as the bank prime loan rate and three-month CD rate, to plummet. The reality also extended to mortgage rates, which fell to their lowest levels in modern history. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate dropped from 3.5% at the end of March 2020 to 2.65% by the beginning of 2021, remaining below 3% for most of last year. Yeah, but you have to qualify for that. I don't know anybody that got below 3.5. At least par- partially due to quantitative easing, it was therefore far less costly for American home buyers to take out a loan and purchase a, a house, leading to an increase in the number of homes demanded. The entrance of more would-be buyers into the market increased competition for houses, which in turn caused prices to rise. Yeah, but you still needed to come in with the down payment, not to mention the closing costs which even if it was FHA was 3.5%, that's still a large sum of money for just about anybody. And if you're going to do a conventional, now you're talking about 20%. And on top of that, the closing costs. So who had all that cash after COVID? But as the mortgage rates skyrocketed while the Fed reverses its quantitative easing program, the housing market is yet again changing. Next section, as inflation surged to an 8% year-to-year clip, the Federal Reserve voted in March 2022 to raise interest rates by 0.025%, the first such action since 2018 and likely the first of many rate hikes this year. Mortgage rates had already risen at 3.85% the first month of, in the first month of 2022. In the wake of the Fed decision, the 30-year fixed mortgage rate soared to 5.11%. According to government-backed mortgage company Freddie Mac, The combination of rising mortgage rates, elevated home prices, and tight inventory are making the pursuit of homeownership the most expensive in a generation. In response, many buyers are backing out of the market. Mortgage application volumes continue to decline due to rapidly rising mortgage rates as financial markets expect significantly tighter monetary policy in the coming months, economist Joel Kahn told CNBC. As higher mortgage rates reduce the incentive to refinance, application volume dropped to its lowest level since the spring of 2019. As demand finally appears to be diminishing, the United States housing market finds itself at the precipice of a mountain and in a position for a spectacular fall, leading Fed analysts now warn of a looming housing bubble. 
more. We're entering the section now where this article is going to address bubble conditions. And it basically wraps up the article. But uh, let's see. Let's see what the, this uh, writer says. Bubble conditions. What is a bubble? As economist Hyman Minsky once famously explained, a bubble, sometimes called a credit cycle, follows the pattern of displacement, boom, euphoria, profit-taking, and panic. In essence, a surge of funds available for investment leads to inflating asset prices. As more and more investors try to get a piece of the action, smart investors foresee a crash and pull their money out of the market before a massive sell-off. According to economists at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, there is a growing concern that home prices are becoming unhinged from fundamentals, just as they did during the housing crash that sent the world into recession from 2007 to 2009. In asset, in this case, housing is the primary expansionary phase of a bubble when the price rises are out of step with market fundamentals, the economists describe. Real house prices can diverge from market fundamentals when there is widespread belief that today's robust price increases will continue. If many buyers share this belief, prices arising from a fear of missing out can drive up prices and heighten expectations of strong house price gains. All right, let me stop right there because for a lot of uh, new generation folks, the only housing crash they can ever, ever point to is the housing crash that caused the worldwide recession 2007-2009. That was a monster 30 years in the making. Let's say we were tracking the price increases 30 years from the thir- the time when the 30-year fixed mortgage was, was made, okay, uh, up leading up until 2008. Between those times, there were multiple um, housing bubbles. There was the, the housing bubble 1.0, which was in the 90s, and then housing bubble 2.0 in the early 2000s. This was something that's transpired before, but everybody seems to only point to what happened in 2007, 2009 as the only housing crash. What they don't understand is that there's a difference in getting a mortgage that you can't afford versus getting a mortgage you can afford. And this is with respect to the 1993 Community Reinvestment Act that was signed by then-President Bill Clinton that relaxed the lending rules to the banking institutions and told them, hey, you have to give subprime loans to people that can't afford them. And the banks are like, "These first off, this is not our money. This is the people's money because they deposit to the bank. And if we can't collect for people that can't afford these things, how then are we going to collect on this because we're going to be left holding the bag? And the government said, don't worry about it. We're going to back these loans. So through Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, they backed those loans. That's the one part of the story you guys don't hear about because all you ever hear about is the corporate greed, the banks were greedy. Yes, they were. And they were given license to be greedy by the government to go ahead and do so. The difference between the lending then versus the lending now for anybody trying to even get a loan, I can tell you, and also from personal experience, it was really hard for a lot of my buyers to even get qualified. The lending rules are so strict. We're talking about a time back then where loans were given to dogs. I wish I were kidding. I'm talking about dogs, folks. That's because people give human names to their to their fairy companion and they just sign documents to that effect. Stated income. You don't have to prove anything. Those things are not available now. And there are people that do have income that might not have the credit that do not qualify. So a lot of these mortgage rates that you hear about, you have to qualify for. And if you don't, you're good. You don't qualify for that rate that's quoted. They're going to give you a higher interest rate. And when you're given a higher interest rate, a lot of buyers are like, you know what? Then it's not worthwhile for me right now. 
I'm not going to buy. I'm going to wait until I improve my credit so I can get a better interest rate, even though I have the cash on hand to get a deal right now. Or some, they might take the leap and say, you know what, then I'll I'll deal with the higher interest rate, get my property now while I can before prices go up because there was that concern that prices will go up and I'll refinance down the road. See, there are different factors that are not really being mentioned here. But what I don't like is when anybody and everybody mentions that it's going to be a housing crash akin to what happened in 2007, 2009. That one was brought by the inability of people being able to pay their loans back because they got loans they couldn't afford in the first place. Versus now, the economic collapse is coming from the outside and is affecting housing. It's not housing imploding on itself as many people expect it to be. So that's my interjection. Let's continue with the article. The analyst placed the exuberance indicator at the 95% threshold. Statistics such as the house price to rent ratio and the house price to disposable income ratio are soaring for the first time since the boom of the early 2000s and house prices that appear increasingly out of step with fundamentals. Beyond historically low interest rates, the economists point to government stimulus as well as supply chain disruption and their associated policy responses. Fortunately, because excessive borrowing is not the driver of this particular housing boom, thank you for mentioning that any crash might not be as spectacular as the one that upended the global economy 15 years ago. Thank you. However, in a post-COVID world gripped by countless economic troubles, the crash will by no means be pretty. Thank you. Most people don't get to a conclusion like this. Thank you. This entire paragraph is in in a nutshell is what I'm saying, because this isn't about excessive borrowing you couldn't pay back. But there's a lot of factors that are affecting housing, such as if you lose your job, you won't be able to pay your mortgage. What about everybody that's put off their mortgage paying because they were affected by COVID and, and through a forbearance and they can't make the payments back because the payment plan didn't make sense for them. So there's a lot of things, like I said, that go into play with all this and Yes, there'll always be that concern, folks. And what I can tell you is from on the ground experience here in California, I had uh, a lot of my buyers, unfortunately, priced out and they just couldn't proceed anymore. And like, you know, I'm going to work on my credit so I could get a better interest rate and be able to go compete out there. Yeah, but the problem is that FHA is basically not even a consideration anymore when it's conventional loans fighting among themselves and in some cases are being outbidded by cash because some people come with the cash. It's not just that, however. Here's the thing about what happens when you're buying a property. Uh, And I can tell you from personal experience, sellers have been countering offers saying, remove your appraisal contingency. Yes, I see your offer. This property is going to overbid by 100,000 bucks. It's not going to appraise. So I need to know if you're going to come up with a difference via your cash or if you're not. Otherwise, I'm not even going to consider your offer. That has been the response to just about every single offer I've seen this year. And I'm talking about Orange County, Inland Empire here in Southern California, not to mention Los Angeles. And that is what's happening. Some of these escrows are 30 days or less. I've seen some as, as short as 10 days. And it's been nuts to see all this play out. And these are not investors. These are folks, well, folks that consider themselves investors, but not an investment firm or a hedge fund that has all these uh, all these funds, okay? And that's what's crazy to see this go on. There's some individuals that unfortunately are priced out from buying and they end up having to continue renting. And the rent is more expensive than the mortgage at times. So when we're looking at this whole housing bubble, um, I'm more concerned about rental prices because that just, it just keeps going up. 
That's why California keeps trying to say, oh, the solution is more a government regulation through uh, rent control. Yeah, look how well that's worked out. It keeps going up. And when it comes to new property buildings, it's like, no, we're just going to put more taxes and make it more difficult to build housing, despite the fact that we have a, a housing affordability issue that's uh, led predominantly by the fact that there is almost no inventory. We are literally turning over the same properties over and over and over again. We're not building anything anew. So like I said, California is its own industry. It does have an effect across the country. And for those that are priced out of here, they found it more affordable to move out of state like Gavin refugees. And they're the ones that are making the prices go up in those industries or those housing markets such as Texas, Tennessee, Florida. I, it's, you know, it, it really depends on the effects of what's happening here in California. And while we remain the most populous state, despite the fact we have an, a migration issue, it, you're going to see this continue for a bit especially because you have a lot of high earners that only rented that have finally gone out to buy. And in some cases realize they could work remotely. And if they can't find it here, they'll go somewhere out of state. And they are. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Andres Govis show. Remember to like, share, subscribe, stay to know wherever you're watching, however you're listening. I appreciate it. By the way, I should let you know that if you're subscribed on Spotify to my podcast, you can now watch the Andres Govis show there too. So if you're watching it there, thank you so very much. Remember, check out my stuff on my website, www.dinsegovis.com. Follow me across the socials. And thank you so very much for tuning in once again. I'll see you on the next one.